I'm Sammy. And I'm Mandy. And you're listening to Ice Cream Sunday, the podcast where we talk about whatever the hell we want under the guise of horror movies. Yes. Yeah. And uh, this week we're going to be talking about a movie that I hadn't seen before. So I had no uh, preconceived notions or expectations, unlike the Bone Collector last episode uh, that didn't live up to my high school memories whatsoever. Uh, this one, uh, I had, I kind of walked in going, well, I hope it's going to be good. I should say what movie we were talking about, I guess. Yeah. Um, copycat, 1995 <laughs> copycat. And, um, I, was like, okay, Holly Hunter and Sigourney Weaver, I feel like there's no way that this could be bad. No. Um, and I wasn't disappointed. I mean, I really, like, I wasn't sure exactly what to expect, but it was so much better than I even thought it was going to be. So it was a very uh, pleasant pick, and thank you for uh, making me watch it this week. A nice little palate cleanser from The Bone Collector, I Oh, think. my God. Yeah, for sure. Like, it was, it's, like, exactly what you want in, like, a mid-'90s, like, you know, crime yeah. <laughs> like serial killer hunter type of a movie um and i and it was a really interesting story too i mean there's a couple things that i take issue with but we'll get into those yes. as as we get there but i will say like okay the things that you told me before this started uh, you you told me that I was not gonna like Harry Connick Jr. and I was like, that's not possible. And then I was like, <laughs> it's possible. Um, but it just made me want to watch him be good and other stuff. Uh, you know, I was like, oh, I just need, like as a palate cleanser. Did you, you know? did like, you pop in Hope Floats afterwards? I watched um him sing the Bare Necessities on Simply uh-huh. Mad About the Mouse. No, I'm just kidding. I actually <laughs> didn't. But but that is my favorite thing that Harry Connick Jr. has ever done is is singing the Bare Necessities on Simply Mad About the Mouse as everything in his opulent home is getting repossessed. Um, <laughs> I had like no idea. I mean, Simply Mad About the Mouse. Let's just take a quick detour. Simply Mad About the Mouse uh, shaped so much of who I am. I'm almost like don't want to admit it because uh, it's weird. Um, but but Billy Joel, <laughs> Billy Joel is like my everything. And um, him singing When You Wish Upon a Star just like made me feel feelings uh, that I just didn't know I was capable of at such a young age. Just that like like that, like the deep longing and sadness. And um, oh, my goodness. What I've, a never, beautiful... I've never seen this. I don't know what this is. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, All right. So for the uninitiated, because I'm sure you're far from the only one, uh, Simply Mad About the Mouse. Oh, God. What year did it come out? Now I'm trying to remember. It was probably like 93 or something like that. Okay. Uh, Hold on. You'll hear me typing. Uh, Simply Mad About the Mouse. Oh, 1991. Wow. Okay. So it was a 1991 direct-to-video release featuring top contemporary singers performing classic Disney songs. And it's just as good as you think it is. Um. It's, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember all of them. Uh, So Billy Joel opens it and he covers When You Wish Upon a Star and it's an excellent, uh, it's an excellent cover. Uh, I don't think it's ever going to appear on uh, uh, Disney Plus because uh, someone does cover Zippity Doodah. Um, Yeah, but LL Cool J does uh, his rendition of Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf. Oh my God. That's beautiful. I'm sure I can find it on YouTube. Yeah, you can definitely find it on YouTube, but The Bare Necessities uh, was like my, there's a lot of reasons why this probably would never show up on Disney+. Plus. But uh, Harry Connick Jr. um, singing Bare Necessities as everything in his mansion is getting repoed is the best. (laughs) Like, just the best. Um, There's like, uh, yeah, all kinds of people. Bobby McFerrin, Michael Bolton. Like, it is... It's a lot. Um, and I don't remember why my parents bought it. Uh, maybe it was because of Billy Joel. I'm really not sure. Um, but Billy Joel I, could have had all of our mothers, let's be honest. I was like a I was just a very, very huge fan of Billy Joel as a kid. Glass Houses is still probably my favorite album. And uh yeah, so that's a little bit about me. 
a big Billy Joel fan. I got to see uh, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I got to see his uh, his typed up draft of the Downeaster Alexa. Anyway, okay. So, so so I keep forgetting the characters' names in this movie. Okay. And I so I'm gonna work really hard to not say Sigourney Weaver and Holly Hunter. Um so we've got Dr. Helen Hudson, played mm-hmm. by Sigourney Weaver. Uh she is a college professor and like a crime like what like a like a criminal criminal psychology. There you go. Criminal psychology. That's what I'm looking for. And she is like She's like presenting in this big lecture hall like you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and she like, and I actually really liked the setup for this. I mean, you know, I, maybe I just, it, it's like a young Frankenstein thing. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I just like when, when some fucked up shit is about to happen in a movie and it starts on in like a lecture hall. I don't know. Yes. I, uh, <laughs> I, I also like the whole like trope where it's not like quite the, like look to your left, look to your, your right. One of you is going to be murdered, but it was like the thing where she calls out like all of like the white men in their like 20s to 40s. And they're like, and she's like, you're all murderers. Yeah. Well, she doesn't like, say that, but yeah. She's like, you all fit the profile. And yeah, I wrote my note said, hey, white dudes, you're probably going to kill someone. <laughs> That's that was the note that I took. But she yeah, she's just kind of like, you know, like what turns you on? Is it murder? If you're a white male between the ages of 20 and 35, probably, <laughs> um, you know, and then they've got like flashing pictures of like, you know, Ted Bundy and stuff in the background. Like, you know, he looked totally normal. You look totally normal. It could totally be you, you know. Um, and then you see like uh, creepy Harry Connick Jr. in the audience. Um, and and it looked like she just like hallucinated him because she yeah. sees like him like finger across his throat, you know, threatening her. And then she like flat, you know, flashes back and then he's gone. Um, and then I swear to God, as she was like leaving, uh, when she was talking to like the students, did she say to some of the women, uh, hey, remember, don't park next to vans. Did she say that? Yeah, she did. Okay. Okay. That's I really like, good advice. Yeah. I was like, that is like, I, but it was weird. Cause like, uh, I had seen one of my friends, like, uh, the meme was going around again. That was like advice that women get at a young age that like men don't get. And I was like, Oh, that's one that you should add to the list. Don't park next to vans because like, um, I think the ones that were on there were like, you know, hold your keys in this way and like always have your hand on your keys, and, you know, check around your car and under your car and, you know, like, don't ever follow somebody off to, you know, a more private location, always move to a more public, you know, like all that stuff that we all learn or like, yeah, don't yell, don't yell help, like yell fire, you know, that kind of shit. So I was like, oh, this is, this is one of those pieces of advice yes. that, that we, that we should all, and I, I don't think I've ever heard that, but it makes sense. Just, just uh, add that to the the nightmare tome of advice for women. <laughs> yeah. Just don't park next to vans. That's a very good idea. Um, but anyway, so she, so she has security and um, the security guard like clears the bathroom before she goes in. Um, and they just see like heels underneath a stall. So they're like, you're good. Yeah. Um, uh, on top of everything else, we learn that Dr. Hudson is uh, one of those people that uses the toilet seat covers. Yeah. Mm. Um, even, even during a global pandemic, I'm still judging it. So that's, that's where I, that's, maybe that's just my own hang up, but I just associate that with a, with a certain personality. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's no wonder she goes to the extremes after this. Yeah. Cause look at her. Yeah. Like, it's like, I mean, we all know that. I mean, well, maybe we don't know, but it's like you're the the risk of like your butt like being in contact with like a toilet seat is really like very not risky mm-hmm. um, compared to the fact that, you know, people just like full on sneeze in their hands and then shake other people's hands. Like, yeah, that's what you should be bothering you. Um, but anyway, so she's so she's in the bathroom and wait now what's Harry Connick Jr.'s character's name? I forgot. It's, oh, like, it's like three, a three name. It's a three yep, for name. Yep. 
And it's real podunk. Hold on, let me pull it yeah, up. Yeah, it is. And I was like, I totally forgot. Um, it's like, oh, Daryl Lee Cullum. Daryl Lee Cullum. So, yeah. So we find out that those heels were actually being worn by Daryl Lee Cullum in the next stall. And he um, ends up, like, getting, you know, like a wire or whatever to choke <laughs> To choke Dr. Hudson. Uh-huh. Um, and so he like strings her up and she's like holding on to it to keep herself from choking. Uh-huh. And the security card comes back in and and then he grabs him and is like, should I knife her or, sh- or should I knife him or shoot him? I, I'll just do both. Dead. Yeah. Um, and then he's like, I'm going to have fun with you. And you're like, oh. But then 13 months later, we find out she's alive. So everything's okay, I guess. Um, And then she wakes up in a cold sweat. And she's like in this huge, very dark, cavernous, not welcoming Mm -hmm. type of a house. And I'm wondering why if she's like so afraid of like things creeping around every corner that she would live in a place like that. Yeah. Oh, and I just realized just at now o'clock, the other um, connecting factor between our two movies is that like both heroes are trapped in their Mm. apartment, basically. That's very true. They're both trapped in their apartment and they're both, and they both are uh, very in tune with like the psyche of killers. Mm -hmm. Um, And she, uh, so anyway, so she wakes up and then she's like trying to calm herself down by like listing the presidents in order. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she's like having a panic attack and she starts to talk with somebody on some kind of like chat program about it. Um, we never like get to know the people that she's interacting with, which is too bad. Yeah. I feel like that would make it really interesting, but whatever. Um, so that's one issue I have. Um, and then we cut to the, the precinct where the action is taking place. This is all set in San Francisco and, um, we've got, oh my gosh. And now I want to make sure I get his name right. Cause I always get it a little bit wrong. Uh, Dermot Mulroney, mm-hmm. uh, and not Helen McDermott, no Dermot Mulroney and Holly Hunter, uh, just could not be more nineties. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, they're first at a training facility. Yeah. Um, So they're at the training facility and um, like talking about like how to shoot to disarm, but not to, you know, fatally wound and like, you know, kind of like how to subdue somebody without yeah taking them all the way out. And and, you know, Holly Hunter is like, you know, the good the good one with the you know with the shoulder shooting tech she's very much into not murdering suspects yeah you know and uh honestly that's what i want in all my cops yes if i could just order all cops to just like you know stop murdering people that would be great just watch that clip and have holly hunter show you how to not kill someone on the job just shoot him if you have to shoot him if you must shoot them and notice she was talking about like, if it's like a hostage situation, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever, shoot him in the shoulder. Okay. All right. Uh, if you must shoot them, which I just do it there anyway. Um, so then we see a lady running in the park and, um, and then all of a sudden she's like being recorded and mm-hmm. enhanced uh, to the point where uh, the person looking at it is getting sexually aroused by pixels. Yes. And that was weird. Uh, and uh, <laughs> they and then basically right after that, right there, there's like the crime like she they get a call about it and uh-huh. then they arrive at the scene of the crime and we see that there's strangulation that's occurred, um, which was the same as like a couple they had intimated that there were like a couple other cases where there was also strangulation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was uh, the first murder I 
think was um the hillside strangler was the parallel yeah or, they no, start, albert DeSalvo. they start to get into yeah like those parallels mm-hmm. a little bit later but we see we see there's a strangulation um and all i wrote was she's one pushy broad oh is that something that <laughs> is that something that like holly hunter's boss said or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's something uh grumpy old gotta, boss says. I gotta Wait. stop saying Holly Hunter. MJ Monahan. MJ Monahan and Ruben Getz are Holly Hunter and Dermot Moroni. And then yeah. And then yeah, Grumpy Old Boss was like, she's one pushy broad, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. I and I remember I was actually like I was like uh walking around the house at this point like doing like an indoor exercise and watching the movie and I just was like and then I started to like gesticulate and I was like you know she's one pushy bra you know so anyway that's all I that's the only note that I had there um (laughs) but but then we find out that um uh Dr. Helen Hudson is like afraid to leave her house um and we see this very clearly not just because she was like afraid of the stuff inside her house but like she was trying to get the paper and she like could not get out of her house (laughs) Um, and she sees in the paper though, that another woman has gotten killed. And, and so it's like, oh shit, am I gonna, I feel like I probably have to say something. Right. Um, and we go back to, we, now we're at the precinct and this, uh, guy is getting interrogated and he's like admitting to killing this woman. Uh, but clearly he's like one of those people who comes in and just says that he, has killed someone for some because he wants like attention or whatever. And so this is obviously like a pattern that they've had to do this like a few times with this guy because he everybody knows him. But yeah. they like they bring him in and they're like, how many times did you stab her? And he's like, 78. And they're like, okay, you can go. <laughs> and he's like, wait, no, it's like, oh, so close. Thanks for playing. All right. Goodbye. Get the hell out of here. Um they're very then- kind to humor him. Yeah, I, it was really weird. They're all just like, but what was his name? Like Doug or something like that. I don't remember. Something very normal. Yeah, and they were just like, bye, man. And he's like, but wait, I really did it. And we're, they're like, we know you did, honey. We know. And they're like, just get out of here. Um, which is kind of funny. Uh, and we we find out through through all of this, was it? It was that... Um, uh, Holly Hunter, MJ Monahan is um, watching the footage of Dr. Hudson being like an expert witness in in the case of Daryl Lee Cullum, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm just trying to remember everyone's names. And her thought was that maybe he got out of prison. Uh-huh. Um. Oh, okay, okay. I got it. I got it. Oh wait, what didn't she call? That I missed that part. I missed the phone call. I was like, I feel like I'm missing something because didn't she call first and then they went over there? Um They I'm now I'm forgetting because this was a couple it was a little while ago that I rewatched this. I'm so bad at like repiecing things in sequence, but I do believe so. Okay, so I think what happened was, because I just didn't have the note, um, that she called and she had like, oh, because they were saying something about, um, uh, they were like, oh, something about a moon bike. And she's like, no, lunar cycles. And she's like, I think maybe he's killing based on lunar cycles. And they're like, "Uh, okay, whatever. Uh, Like, how'd you get this number? Don't call back, you know, whatever. And she she expresses who she is. then Monahan's like looking into it and then they go over there and start talking to her about it. Um, and they thought, and she thought they were getting in touch with her because, um, Daryl Lee Cullum got out of prison and she gets, and she has like a panic attack over it and she's like freaking out. Um, uh, Oh, because they were trying to show her pictures of everything that happened. And then she had a panic attack. Um, and they're like, okay, we'll leave. We'll just leave. Like, you know, like I think she thought maybe she could get involved. And then she freaked out and was like, I don't think I can actually. Yeah. yeah. And then they're like, all right, well, we're going to leave. 
Um, and they get in the car and leave. And then you see that someone is watching them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after they leave, she like starts to calm down and she's like, all right, well, let me start looking at this, these clues and these photos. And, um, and she, and you can tell like she's starting to put things together. Um, and then her like assistant, her helper, whatever, um, she, it, it looked like he was leaving for the night. And then she thinks she hears some in the house and she's like, I think his name's Andy. Yeah. It was um, Andy. And she's like, Andy, where are you? Whatever. And she, and she, she's like, ah, whatever. He's probably around here somewhere. Kind of a thing, which is weird for someone who's as paranoid as she is, but whatever. Uh, and then she gets in the shower, but there's definitely someone there and they lay out the red suit on her bed that she wore as an expert witness in this case. Yes. Um, crazy uh really scary and so she freaks out um we go back to the office and uh monahan's there and like this other guy who works at the office it just starts to be kind of like i thought he was like being such a creep yeah right like you just read it as yeah yeah but you don't know that he's the ex at this point Mm mm-hmm he just seems like a weird creep who's like invading her space. Yes. And you're like, what are you doing? She didn't tell you you could do that. Just get the fuck away from her. That was the feeling that I got from her, from her and like their dynamic where you're just like, oh, what a skis. Yes. Um, and then you're like, oh, but Dermot Mulroney is so cute. Um, even though uh, like, even though he's got like a really sensitive hair trigger. Yeah. but. But he's still really cute, though, um, because it's the 90s and we all loved My Best Friend's Wedding. That's true. It's such a good movie. It, like, is really a good movie. Um, it is. Julia Roberts is such a bastard in that movie. Dude, for sure. And he's, like, in love. Like, you garbage human. Uh, <laughs> such a good movie. Um but yeah, so he's super sweet to her. Ruben's so sweet to her. He got her like, oh, like they're working late and she's like, what is this? Like this sushi and stuff. And he's like, it's healthy. And she's like, blah, I wanted a cheeseburger and then and fries. And I was like, oh, you're me. And then he like pulls a cheeseburger out of his pocket. And I was that like, was you're, really a, cute. you're a dream boy. Yeah. Like, I was like, that's exactly that's my love language is cheeseburgers and pockets. Um, <laughs> pocket cheeseburgers. Pocket cheeseburgers and fries is really the important part, though. If you don't bring me fries, like what's wrong with you? Um, and then there they were um, they thought maybe uh, Dr. Hudson would call that night, but she she didn't end up calling then they came over the next day to like talk to her about everything and they had like thrown in some shit that wasn't relevant to kind of test her to make sure that she was like making the right correlations tricky and she passed and she had connected all the dots appropriately and then she was like but what about the stockings and they're like what and she's like the the stocking that was around her neck like, where is it? And then, she, you know, that's when she starts talking about, like, the copycatting serial killer. Yes. You know, she's like, she's like, yeah, totally. Like, this is something that happened 20 years ago and he's copycatting it. And they're like, oh, and she's like, yeah, look at the pictures, like, exactly the same. Um, and this is what the bone collector tried to be and couldn't do it. Uh, okay. And... <laughs> And then you see video. Oh, they had somewhere like on the radio or TV or something earlier in the movie, they were talking about like the 20th anniversary of like the summer of love or something like that. Right. Or the 30th or whatever. And, um, and so you see a video of a woman who's like, who's like dancing there. Um, and once again, like, you know, creepers, like I must have her type of a thing. Um, and then I just wrote in my notes, why is this Nico guy even a thing? So obviously I got annoyed with him in another scene. Um, <laughs> just really hated him. I was like, just screw off, dude. Um, and then my favorite part of the whole of the whole movie is when Dr. Hudson is playing chess demon. Uh, looks like an amazing game. Uh, and she's like sitting at her computer and she's like, I'm just creaming this motherfucker. And uh, <laughs> and then she and then she gets an 
AVI file if we didn't need to know what year this was in already. The dream of the 90s is alive and copycat. I was like, AVI file. Yeah, it just, this movie actually really did make me want to rewatch The Net. Like, big time. Because there was, like, so much focus on, like, the 90s computers. Um, And it was, like, it was, like, bad Photoshop. um, Like, hey, how about that bathtub thing? You want this thing to happen to this pretty lady with, um, and then, oh, no, her face turned into a skull. It was actually very, kind of very creepy. the, The skull thing really got me. The bathtub thing with the leg, I was like, Terry Gilliam, leave this woman alone. Because it was very Monty Python flying circus. Yeah, it is. It's (laughs) Yeah, with just like the weird like, oh, look at I just learned how to animate. And so I'm going to turn these limbs in like every direction. So they look like propellers. And you're like, cool. Um, But the but the skull thing, for some reason, like really freaked me out. Yes. Yeah, I was like, it's definitely like one of those things that like three years from like the timeline of the movie, someone gets like a forward email with that. And it's like, you pass this to 10 people or you'll die. That kind yeah. of creep. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's just like that weird dread. So, so that was good. But then, but then it like kind of cleared it up with those bugs. And then I was like, Oh, it's funny again. Um, <laughs> Oh, bugs. Uh, but then, so, so she gets this on her computer and, um, uh, Oh my gosh, I keep going back. And Ruben goes back and he's like, he's like, hey, it's all good because I play video games. So I got this. And because <laughs> that's how people think. Yes. Um, oh, you're good at video games. You must know everything about computer programming. What the fuck? Like, he's just like, I was pretty good at Pac-Man. So I got this covered. And I was like, unless you were like, unless you were like coding your own console games, you know, like, yeah, he you has- know, like, <laughs> If you, like, edited your own cabinet, I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. But he was like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I played a lot of Donkey Kong, so, like, don't even worry about it. <laughs> like, I'm worried. The same amount of confidence in his computer skills that my mom had in me when I was 12, and she thought I was going to be a programmer. And I'm like, no, I just, I, I'm just, I just flirt with randos on ICQ, mom. I'm not, like, a coder. Yeah, I just like ASL people and send them roses and throw pies at them. I don't think you understand what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> but it's fine, though. Um, but yeah, so, but he does, he does seem, oh, and then it was just like, DOS commands, DOS commands. And I was like, oh, I feel it um, in my bones. Like, that's my childhood right there. And um uh, but then it ends up like getting deleted before they're able to save it. It just disappears into the ether. And it was basically like, I see you and I see what you're doing. And it was like the skull that also had a butt on it. Yeah. <laughs> Which was also not scary, just funny. It's kind of cheeky. Um, He's a cheeky murderer. Yeah, for sure. And then it all makes sense because, oh, my God, it's a basement dweller. And then you're like, I get it. Yeah. It's like a 4chan guy um, before 4chan. He's a he's a an alt.net guy. And uh, he's keeping a lady in a bag. And yeah. he unzips it and he's like, don't worry, lady in a bag. I got you. Um, I'll keep I'll, I'm going to take good care of you. But I am going to kill you, though, obviously. But yeah. I'll take good care of you while I'm killing you or whatever. Dumb and shit it's- he's like. It's so refreshing coming from Bone Collector where, like, the movie tries to rely on a twist. Yeah. Where this one's just like, no, here's the guy. It's not about the twist. It's not always about the twist. Yeah, it's not about the twist. It's just like, here's the guy. He's a creep. Um, uh, what did I, how did I describe him in my notes? Like if like, uh, Rob Lowe and Rick Moranis had a love child, it would be <laughs> this guy. You know, like he, you know, he definitely has like that Ted Bundy ness to him, kind of a thing where it's like he's attractive, but he can also look non threatening if he wants to. And like, and he had kind of like a shape shifting face, like they, like they'd always say, like Ted Bundy's face, like he looked like 10 different people. And it was so weird because he would like change his weight and his hair and his, you know, and they were like, it literally looked like his face changed shape. Yeah. Um, 
he had that same kind of look to him, which I'm just piecing together. He, he's a, he, I thought he was way hotter than Bundy. I didn't think Bundy was shit, but. Dude, I mean, like, I don't think Bundy's shit either. And it was just like his arrogance, too. It's like, who would ever find that? <laughs> anyway, um, now I'm just thinking about I listened to the Anne Rule book. Um, yeah. Oh, I like, have that, too. Yeah, I just I listened to it on Audible last year and I was like, man, I I mean, I thought it was really, really well done. But uh, what I loved about it is she just was like he was like so full of himself and it was so annoying. I believe and I was it. Like, Dude, I mean, obviously he had so much arrogance. But the thing that's really fucked up is he was able to get away from the cops twice. So like, I mean, some of that is deserved, but a lot of it was like, oh, God. So uh, anyway, I don't want to. I, I hate like humanizing people like that, but it uh but it is really interesting. Um anyway, the way that he was. Uh yeah, no, I don't think either of them are hot, so just saying. I'm just here for <laughs> Ruben. I'm here for Ruben and his pocket cheeseburgers. Okay. Yes. Oh, sweet Ruben. All, all day long. Um, but anyway, so and then okay, one th- okay, I have questions about uh basement creep. Uh so it makes sense that it was him. And yeah, I'm glad they just revealed that it. it was better that way, I think, because then you could kind of it was like you were um, uh, it's that whole Hitchcock idea of like the wasn't it Hitchcock who was talked about like the bomb under the table? I yeah. 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 And you're just like waiting for it to go off. It's like it was kind of like that where it's like, all right, well, are they going to catch up to him? And when are they going to catch up to him now that we're in on some of the things that he's planning? It adds a little bit more urgency to us watching it because we know what's coming next, kind of. Um, So, okay, what is up with the uh person in 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 the house was it like was it his mom or his girlfriend or his sister or just like i I really couldn't make sense of that i read that as his mother um just because with like a lot of the movie pulls a lot of like the psychology from like other famous killers and um yeah so i read it as mother as like an homage to psycho and ed gein yeah wasn't really a serial killer. Right. He only killed two people. Yeah. You have to get more than three. He was just prolific. Yeah. It was more about the grave digging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, she just seemed, like, young, so it was, like, a weird – I think it was just a weird casting choice. Yeah. Because um, they just didn't seem to be that different in age, and I wasn't really reading – I mean, it felt like, like, a dependency kind of a thing. Yeah. So it, I was like, I guess it's his mom, but, like, it – Could have been a really young mom. And yeah, yeah. For sure, but it was just – yeah, it was just, like, a strange – um I don't know. I feel like there's something that he could have at least said the word mom. I mean, I, I'm not asking for it to be hell night. Um, I'm not asking for you to explain everything to me. I'm not asking for you to sit me and piece together every clue, like the bone collector, but I would like it if you had just said, okay, mom, then I, it all makes sense. Um, there was actually uh, a deleted scene of him as a child that uh, more fleshed that out. And, um, I don't remember what the scene was about, but it definitely explained the psychology. And I think it alluded to the fact that she sexually abused him as a child. That makes sense. Cause I mean, that's kind of why the dynamic seemed weird because she was like asking him to like kiss her and stuff. And it was yeah. like, it was like weird and kind of sexual. Okay. Uh, this all makes sense now. All right. And then, so they found, so they find the woman that he had in the bag and on the top of a hill and they're like, oh, but this isn't consistent with the other stuff. And they're, and they're like, oh, wait, this is when they piece it together. This yeah. is the hillside strangler. strangler. And he's mixing it up and he's not just doing one type of copycat killing. He's like showing his range now. He's not just like doing the same thing over yeah. and over again. So then they're like, oh, shit, what's coming next? Um, and, and this basement creep takes Dr. Hudson face and puts it on the victim. Like you're next lady, you know, like I'm coming for you. Um, 
And then the next one, and I'm actually kind of sad because I wish, I mean, I guess it didn't really fit with the, the things he was doing because he wasn't really killing couples. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, it would have been so cool if they, not cool, but you know what I mean? It would have been, it would have been fitting in San Francisco to do Zodiac, but yeah. I mean, they, they mentioned Zodiac in the movie, but I was like, oh, it would have been so cool if he had done like one Zodiac, but um, and, and when they did like the car at first, yeah, at first I was like, is this Bundy? Me too. Uh, yeah. I was like, I was like, yellow, yellow bug, yellow bug. And Nick's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yes. <laughs> and then, and then I was like, or wait, is this Zodiac? And then I was like, well, no, it's cause it's just one woman in the car. It's not a couple. Yeah. And then they were like, oh, it's Berkowitz. So I was like, oh, okay. Cause her uh, hair is mighty pretty brown. And that's what he liked to do to ladies with pretty brown hair. Yeah. So so, yeah, so he does Berkowitz at the gas station with a woman in the car. But the weird thing was he did kind of come up to her like Bundy yeah. would, um, like asking for directions, like Bundy would ask people, like he would put on fake casts and stuff. I'm not, I'm not telling, I know you know this, um, that he would like, <laughs> it's for our listening audience, uh, that he would put on fake casts and stuff and like ask women to like help him move like furniture. move things or find his dog or whatever like you know things that it seemed like oh well look at he's so helpless because he's in a chaos well yeah i'll help him um what a piece of shit uh so let's see uh so that's the next one he does uh where we see we go to dr hudson's house next and she uh hears a car alarm outside and she realizes like what did I say? Oh, she knows that there's somebody in the house. Yeah. Um, and she tries to go outside, but her agoraphobia prevents her from doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so she comes back in, there's like a lot that happens in the scene. She comes back in and she grabs a knife and she sees a masked guy coming into the apartment and he runs out and she's like super paranoid and she's like, okay, this guy is coming and going as he pleases. He's coming into my house. He's like rearranging shit. Like he's just doing it to mess with my head. And, but they're kind of like, or is it like just someone who tried to break into a car and then tried to steal some shit? It was, and she's like, no, it's not that. It's like, he's messing with me. Um, and that kind of, that kind of starts to, um, erode her, character a little bit like her the trust in her is shaken um or at least like uh crabby boss uh is like she's opportunistic and like i think she's just trying to do this for her own gain or whatever and i don't think you should talk to her and monahan's like okay i won't and then she like does the opposite yeah She's like, screw you. <laughs> and they become closer after this. I feel like they had like a very contentious relationship. And I feel like a lot of it was like this the this weird insinuation that there's like a bit of a love triangle between um Oh yeah. Her I and forgot Hot to mention Hot. that. <laughs> yeah, because he comes over so he comes over at some point to like basically just like keep her company when she's like kind of freaking out. Um, and she's asking him, she's clearly trying to like push the two of them together. Mm -hmm. And she's like, so what's, what's going on? There's gotta be something going on there. And, and Ruben's like, no, there's nothing going on. She's like, are you sure? You know, you guys look pretty cute together. You yeah. know? And he's like, no. And then it's like, they, the movie kind of gives an idea like, oh, but is she interested? And I'm like, no, she's not interested. Don't even go there. Um, yeah. It's obvious she's not. But yeah, there is some weird like he because he had come into the office and he's like, oh, yeah, well, I was over there last night. And she's like, oh, you were over there last night, like business and pleasure. Got it. You know, and they're just bad at communicating and um, uh, they should work on that. But they don't. Um, so but we do see. Let's see. Oh, um, that someone was in the house. Um, and. Because there are bugs in her bed. Yes. Uh, like, <laughs> like huge ants and stuff. And then there's a finger inside of, um, inside. So dearly Cullum wrote a book. Yeah. And there's like a finger inside of that book on some page that. Aren't he there rules about that? Book. That's one thing I feel like 
I had to suspend my disbelief about, but there's rules about that, right? So you can, you can like write a book, but I don't think you can like profit off of it. Okay. So I think, so it could be that he wrote the book, but he, and he was more, the way that I read it is that he was more interested in fame than money. Yeah. And like, that's why he did the stuff he did is that he just really wanted a fan base. Like, you know, that it's kind of like Manson family shit where it's not about the money. It's about being like revered. So that's, that's what I, how I interpreted it where he probably got like a, well, and look at him. He got a ghostwriter for sure. Of course. Um, Absolutely. And he's not smart enough. (laughs) Like I told you when I was explaining the movie, it's like if Ernest P. Worrell became a serial killer. Yeah, totally. Totally. Like, yeah, very, very. mm -hmm. And I'm upset about it and it's fine. (laughs) They make it so ugly. (laughs) Yeah. But the thing that's really weird is like, um, so then they're like, okay, what's going on? You're obviously involved in this. And they interview him from prison, like through a, through video, right? Yeah. She doesn't. She doesn't want to leave the house. They FaceTime uh, each other. Yeah, they basically FaceTime each other, and um, he, like, it's weird because, like, all right, he tried to kill this woman, but now it's like he's so enmeshed with his own fame that he doesn't seem to be as crazed. You know, he's just like very, like, matter of fact, like, listen, like a lot of people like me and stuff. And I just, you know, I was like, I'm just trying to help out a fan. And he told me that uh, he had like the name of this like 1930s serial killer. Yeah. Um, And he's like, yeah, I mean, whatever. But you know what? This guy is kind of fucked up. So you should probably stay away from him. It's like, uh, you tried to kill her. And now you're like, maybe you should like, keep your distance. It's like when Sideshow Bob turns, you're like, yeah. wait, what happened? I'm so confused. Or like on a realistic, um, like f- pulling from real life, you'll see like if you've ever watched an interview with Ed Kemper. He- I haven't. Okay. So if you, you've heard of uh, the show Mindhunter, right? Yes, I have. So like one of the detectives, um, the basis, I think it's in just the first season, is bases a lot of like his um, – conversations with Ed Kemper in prison and that helps him start to develop basically criminal psychology and develop terms like serial killers. But Ed Kemper, who like did absolutely terrible stuff when you see him on the show or you see him in actual interviews, like he's so like on the level, like a dude you're talking to at a bar after a long shift at a blue collar job. Yeah, that's exactly how he talks in this. And it's it's really it's pretty strange. Like, yeah, but yeah, so it's interesting. So he's like, he's like, listen, you got to stay away from this guy. He is like bad news. He's super crazy. Like not like me at all. I'm normal shit. And (laughs) and then he was like, oh, but but then but he asked me (laughs) for some of my spirit. (laughs) And I was like, oh, his jizz. Um. And he's like, I mean, I don't really know what he wanted it for, but he asked me for it. So, like, I think uh, that's going to be great. And uh, my legacy will live on or something like that. It's like, okay. He, he put, like, dish soap in a bag or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He told him to find Jesus. Something yeah. like that. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> find Jesus. Um, but, yeah, he's like, well, that was pretty cool, though, I guess. I don't know. What do you think I should have done? Um, <laughs> like, what the fuck? Um, so, so the the killer wanted Jizz to like recreate some scene, and that's something that we know that he's like using it to recreate whatever scene you know is next. Yeah. And uh, they, we go back to the office. Um, there's like this whole other thing going on in the office where some guys have been brought in who don't speak English, and they're kind of freaking out. And one of them, like one of them, ends up like escaping. Right. And and grabs Ruben and and Holly or Monahan does what she says she was going to do. And to disarm him, she shoots this guy in the shoulder. Yeah. And he goes down. And so she's trying to grab Ruben. But as she does that, he gets shot again by. So like someone had like left like a drawer unlocked or something and mm-hmm. he got a hold of a gun. And so he shoots him. And and then a donut dramatically hits the ground. And that is one of my biggest issues with the movie. It's the sad falling donut. 
I was like, no. Uh, I was like, this was supposed to be a really sad scene, and you pulled me right out of it. They should have played taps. I was like, fuck you. And I think it was a jelly donut, too. And I was like, you suck. Um, Because I look like jelly with, like, the sugar around it or whatever. Um, Oh, my God. And then it was like, it was... It was really strange because it was like, and he's dead. And I like it. So it's like we're we're building up their relationship only to have him die in like such a sucky way. Yeah. That didn't need to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, An accident that shouldn't have happened in the office. And with someone that probably could have been calmed down in a different way. If a translator had been there. So I was like, it was very random. It was very sad and also revolutionary in a way where you think like how many times have they used that trope in a movie but with a woman dying in order to further like a man's will to like get things done. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's like every movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger or whatever. And uh, so they fridge Dermot Mulroney. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's sad uh, for sure. Um, but it was, it, but it was kind of weird cause it was just so abrupt, but I did like that. They were like, you know, you think that, uh, you know, if you die on the job, that it's going to be this like really dramatic thing. And then like, it's just kind of sucks that like, this is how he went out, like, yeah. because someone couldn't lock their drawer. And then I was like, defund the police. And, um, so anyway, uh, <laughs> um, but then the strange thing too is like, yeah, then they start talking about this like love triangle ish thing or whatever. And, and, uh, and, uh, Monahan's like to Hudson, she's like, well, I know you guys had a thing. And she's like, uh, no, gross. no, we didn't. What are you talking about? No. Always and she's like, yeah. Gross. They have cooties. And she was like, Oh crap. Uh, well, well, I guess that, ship has sailed so (laughs) oops um but anyway uh so her answering so they're at um yeah so they're at dr hunter's house and her answering machine goes off and it's her talking Mm -hmm. um and i'm trying wait it was it was her testimony right yeah yeah and um we find out that oh wow the end i have very few notes so we'll see if i remember it but uh the killer's at the club uh and uh he's about to do bundy next mm-hmm. and um but he also sets fire to his house and kills his mom mm-hmm. and then what else happens i oh you missed them killing andy he dombered Andy. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. yeah, so so Andy's gone. Um and yeah, and then he and then who does he does Bundy to somebody at the club, right? Um because he took someone home. Yeah. Yeah. And then he said Oh, go ahead. No, I don't think he bundied. He because he did. Jeffrey Dahmer was at the club. I wrote down that he did. He drugged him and then took him up. Yeah, but that was. But he did. He did. I think he did Dahmer and then he did Bundy. Right. Hold on. Yeah. Or like he's about to do Bundy. Yeah, because they were like, because I remember them saying he's going to do Bundy next. Um, Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let me see. Um. Oh yeah, I forgot about that part. Okay, yeah. So, um, yeah. So after Andy is killed in a manner reminiscent of Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, MJ deduces the killer to be Peter Foley. After leading a failed ac- attempt to catch Foley at his house, uh, she discovers that he's kidnapped Helen and taken her back to the scene at of of Doctor Hudson's almost murder. Um, but wait, I swear to God, they said Bundy. Now I I'm like, I said they to were going to do Bundy, but I feel like it was like a bait and switch because then they did the kidnapping and he stages it um, in the bathroom like uh, Cullum did to her. Oh, so I they- remember why. I remember why now. Because they mentioned the bug. 
Oh yeah. That's why. Cause they, cause they were like, they were like, oh, there's like this tan bug and they're like, oh, then he's going to do Bundy next because that was just the car he drove. Now I remember. Okay. And did sorry. They think, did did they think he was going to pull off the sorority murder? I yeah, thought they, they mentioned that. They had mentioned the sorority murder. So they so they were like telling that's that's the one that they thought he was going to do. So they were like they were like lock it down cuz he killed like, you know, like three women in one night or whatever yeah. or almost. Was it two and then one was injured? I feel like one got it, away. I thought it was three and one was injured. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah like it was three. Oh, he killed three and one was injured. Yeah. Okay. It was a lot um, of girls in one night. And like, yeah. I don't want to like, like describe it, but if you like look it up, it is one of the most upsetting things as like someone who's like really into true crime and is like pretty desensitized to it. Like that was one of the most affecting, uh, disturbing things I've ever read was the, the sorority murder. The bite was really fucked up. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anyway, so that's kind of where they, th- oh, that, oh, that's what it was. They thought that that's where he was going, but before, before he ever was able to do anything like that, he ended up kidnapping her and bringing her back to the lecture hall and the bathroom and like that scene of the crime. And, um, and he recreates that like bit for bit. He's got like, um, so he had brought, did he bring Andy out to be the security guard or I'm trying to remember now. Um, or did he kill some? Oh no, he killed that other cop. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then and then he's doing the whole like knife, knife gun, knife gun type of thing. And then he ends up um, like pretending to be the guard, slumped yeah. down, so that when Monahan comes in to try to save her, and I don't know why she didn't think to like examine that body because she knows exactly what this is. Yeah. Um, but she does, she does, she does not think to do that. She's like trying to bust down every door instead. And then, and then he comes after her and there's a struggle. Um, and then they end up like, don't, don't they end up kind of like running through the building and stuff? Like they, cause they, at some point they end up getting outside. Cause she, cause like Dr. Dr. Hudson like gets out. Of, yeah. She escapes she, to the roof. She, yeah. Cause she starts to deviate from, from the plan. So like, she knows that he really wants everything to be perfect. So she starts to like slip her feet and he's like, Oh no, no, you don't like, we're going to do this by the book. And, um, and then she uses that as her opportunity to like get free. And then, um, yeah, she she ends up like escaping to the roof and they have like a standoff there and it looks like he's going to win. Yeah. Um because he ends up like he he shoots um Monahan. He and, did he shot her in the bathroom. Yeah. And, then, and it looked like she was like out out. Yeah. Um and but of course she's not. And when he's like about to attack uh dr hunter monahan is like around the corner and she shoots him and she keeps shooting him and we know that this is something that is like really really hard for her to do yeah well she does give him the the break she does shoot him in the shoulder first yeah but then, then he just wouldn't he doesn't stop he doesn't stop yeah and it just shows like how dedicated she is to doing her job fucking right that after that, she's like, I'm still just going to shoot you in the shoulder, dude, okay? Yeah. I mean, like, I have, I mean, ugh. Can't all cops be like her? But no, <laughs> they can't, apparently. So we got to do something better. Uh, but anyway, so, yeah, I guess, I mean, and then there, there are, like, little scenes where she's kind of starting to, like, repair her relationship with her ex a little bit. Like, they're starting to become friendlier, and it's clear that... Like, I really was like, this guy, Nico, is, like, such a creep. And then you find out that he just, like, really cares Mm -hmm. and is just hoping that she's, like, taking care of herself. And he's just kind of, like, a little overbearing. But, like, not a creep, not a jerk. He really does care about her well-being. But the first conversation they need to have um, is about boundaries. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because he still thinks that he can tell her what to do and he can't. Uh, but I, I can tell it's coming from a caring place. Yes. And uh, there's obviously some shit that they need to work through um, that they have not yet. But it looked like 
near the end of the movie that things would at least open up to them uh, being able to repair whatever relationship they wanted to have. Um, And that's nice, I guess. (laughs) Yes. Um, And then am I missing anything at the very end? I'm trying to remember. So at the very end, you find out. Oh, my God. Yes. The big. This is. Well, I guess it is a twist. You would call it a twist. This is a twist. This is a twist. Yeah. Go. Go for it. So you find out that um, Daryl Lee Cullum actually set this guy on um, the doctor. And yes. it's very, like, you find out people have been, like, writing letters. And, like, so almost immediately he has this guy's replacement um, in the batting cages. And the movie, like, ends. Like, the credits roll for, like, a good solid two minutes on just his, like, face. And it's very intense and very creepy. And also, like, you just get filled with dread because you know, like, this cult of celebrity around serial killers that um, he will have assuming like presumably an endless supply of soldiers to go after her and no one's going to give him up. Yeah. And he's like happy hunting partner. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that part. And then I read it. Oh, and then oh, by the way, the, the repetitive, uh, thing that she's doing in terms of like the shooting of the, nar- the arm is, is is specifically targeting the brachial nerve. Okay. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Because so it makes them, if you hit it, they drop whatever's in their hand. Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's not going to cause permanent damage, but it is going to incapacitate them for the time being so that you can read them their Mirandas. Um, if they're, you know, and then, and yeah, get them to drop the weapon that they're holding. Um, okay, so this this guy who plays the killer has been in like a bunch of stuff, but I have like no idea who he is, but he has like a very um movie star name as well. Um his name is William McNamara. Okay. And that is very movie star. Mm. Yeah, he is an animal rights activist, it says on his Wikipedia page. Uh he was born in 1965 and he's a vegan. And uh yeah, yeah. Um and he he uh, has produced several documentaries, including the Nat Geo Wild Network Animal Intervention and Expose on the Exotic Animal Industry in the United States. So that's something you all know now. And he's like been he's like a steadily like he's been in a bunch of movies, but they are like not necessarily because um, like I saw like he was in a movie called The Iron Man and not Iron Man. And I was like, what is this movie? <laughs> So he's in like a lot of what is what is that film company that makes the knockoffs like asylum asylum type movies. No, it wasn't even that. It's like a movie about like the Iron Man race. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. But I was like very confused. Uh, he was in a movie called Girl in the Cadillac in 1995 that looks uh, so bad that I want to watch it. Um yeah, there's just like all kinds of movies like that that he's been in. Uh, and he's been in a lot of TV shows too. But once again, uh, like uh, I'm trying to find like one of the biggest movies. He was in like an episode of The Outer Limits. Yeah. Um, that was probably like the biggest thing that he did. He was also in an episode of Silk Stockings. Um, those are like the biggest things that I can see on his. So anyway, Copycat might have been one of the biggest things he did. Yeah, uh, for sure. But anyway, uh, th- and whenever I see someone like that, I'm like, what are they up to and who are they and whatever? Because I know what Harry Connick Jr. and Holly Hunter and Sigourney Weaver are up to being awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a question. Um, I also had to spend time during this movie and also a recent episode. Well, a recently watched episode of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend explaining my appeal uh, to Harry Connick Jr. and also Josh Groban and how I thought that they were good examples of things that um, singers who enter into the popular realm for a type of music that isn't necessarily as widely popular as other types of music can also transition very well into acting. And they're just kind of the kind of dudes who do whatever the hell they want and seem to be well received doing it. Yes. And how I think it's very cool that they both do that kind of stuff. (laughs) Love me some Groban. 
I know. I was like, I love Josh Groban. And he's like, why? And I'm like, because he does whatever he wants. And yeah. it's cool. And like, and he hasn't watched Crazy Stupid Love yet. And I'm like, you'll get it. Like, I'm going to play you that one Muppet movie that he's in and Crazy Stupid Love. And you're going to understand why I think Josh Groban is like really funny and just such a treasure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Harry Connick Jr., kind of the same thing for me. So. Mm-hmm. Like, did you see him in Will and Grace? Okay, he what was great. What a delight. He was great. What what a lovely human. Until he cheated on Grace. I still think he's great, though. Yes. <laughs> and he had that talk show for a while. Does he have a talk show anymore? I think it's canceled. It's really yeah. hard to, like, have a talk show, like, to start one and have it be successful, I feel. Because all the ones you see that survive are the ones that have survived since like the 90s it just wasn't really like when he did it too and i don't know how much of it you watched it was like the production of it was kind of strange like it just something about the set felt really sterile and he tried to bring in like personality with it but it just like i don't know it just like wasn't hitting like because he tried to he tried to like add a lot of like new orleans stuff to it but it was like but it was like a very like bright sterile set and so it was like this doesn't really mesh well yeah uh, with what you're trying to do and I felt really bad about it now I'm looking I'm looking at his Wikipedia to see um well it doesn't say that it ended on his Wikipedia but let's see oh it did though um it was yeah it was like he did 299 episodes though bad that's probably a, a healthier, lot. probably a healthier set dynamic than the Ellen show. Well, that's what I'm saying. This is this is my thought. Can we just completely eliminate Ellen and bring back Harry? Because I feel like that would definitely be the better show. I would make that trade in a talk show alchemy. I would make that trade in a heartbeat. I just can't believe they're actually now. And now we're just talking about whatever the hell we want. But um. Uh, that's that's the premise of the show, so understand that. And um, I just can't believe that now, finally, they're like investigating what's happening, like what's happening on the Ellen show that for years. I know. I was like, "Where have you been?" Like, this is not news. But but I guess like now that we're just like calling everything out and calling everyone out and in in every direction, uh-huh. like let's just lump this in there Pretty too. Girl. Like, by the way, also the Ellen show is toxic. Like, great. Awesome. And Riverdale, that's also a problem. Great. My my friend who lives in L.A., um, like, she confirmed it because she, like, has a lot of people who's, like, worked these sets, but also says that one of the healthiest um, work environments as far as sets go is the Jimmy Kimmel show. That, that is doesn't, a wonderful place to work. That doesn't surprise me. Does that surprise you? Not really. I, but it was just seemed, so nice for her to say so. Yeah, that's a he seems like a cool dude who gets it. Um and yeah, that makes me really happy to hear too. Um so keep it up, Jimmy Kimmel. I know you listen to the show that you're a regular faithful listener yeah. <laughs> on Ice Cream Sunday. And I just wanted to say keep being awesome. And I feel like he is just one of those people who just uh, you know, like he didn't need to age well. And I feel like he has aged well and he also has like um, done a lot of things to like acknowledge and recognize, you know, like his place in the world and like uh-huh. and like the negative things that he may have contributed to as well as the positive. So anyway, he's been uh, a long way since the man show. That's my point. Yeah. So like wish you nothing but the best, man. Um that's interesting. Yeah, but I bet we got to – so we'll – between now and the next episode, we'll find someone who worked on the set of Harry, and we'll tell you all about <laughs> – and 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 we'll and we'll get that show back on the air. Don't you worry. Because <laughs> I bet – you know, I, I can bet you a million dollars that Harry Connick Jr. looks his staff in the eye. Yeah. Okay. Ice, ice cream Sundays, the show where we're serving cones and dishes and we're fresh out of cones. <laughs> all dish. <laughs> Just all dish. Uh, about about the hairy show. Okay. Uh, oh my God. Uh all right. So this was fun. Um, I actually had a thought for for the next episode, and I thought maybe I could propose it. Okay. 
because um, we we're, we've got to go into like a new a new theme, and I thought it might be fun to kind of uh, get meta with it for the next episode. So, and it's a it's a it's one that my boyfriend hasn't watched yet, and I've been trying to get him to watch. Uh, Cabin in the Woods. Okay. <laughs> I didn't think that would be a hard sell, and since we are already on the Sigourney Weaver train, I thought, you know, let's just keep going. Let's just yeah. keep, keep on trucking. Well, now it's um, I like the challenge because now I have to think of a meta horror movie. Yes, yes, uh, and I took the best one. <laughs> I know. Fuck you, Sammy. <laughs> so, it's just been on my brain because it's it's one of those things where I really want him to watch Until Dawn. I want him to watch people play Until Dawn. And and I want him to watch Cabin in the Woods because I just I feel like he'll really enjoy it. Um yeah. it's just such a good it's like it's such a good movie for people who don't even like horror movies. And I, I think that's what makes it so fun. And I haven't watched it in a while and I was like, mm, it's time. Okay, great. Research. I'm so sorry. To it's okay. This on you on you the know podcast. I hate thinking. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're making me use my own brain. Well, you'll have like a couple weeks to figure it out, That's so you're true. good. Uh, but but everybody, I hope you have a lovely day, night, whatever it is that you're listening to this, and that you're staying safe and healthy. And please wash your hands and be kind to each other, and wear yes. masks, and don't be racist, and don't be racist. Okay, all right. Bye. Bye.